Hey, this is Jewel Bejavarapu, and you're listening to the Fertility Life Coach Podcast, Episode 15. Welcome to the Fertility Life Coach Podcast, a show for smart, type A millennial women who want to get pregnant without the emotional roller coaster. If you want to learn how coaching can relieve stress and balance your hormones, then this is the show for you. I am your host, Jewel Bejavarapu, and I am an infertility and IVF warrior, as well as a certified life and holistic health coach. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, my friends. Welcome to this week's podcast, where we have another special guest who is here to tell us her infertility story, Karen Jeffries, who you probably follow on Instagram as hilariously infertile. What you might not know is Karen is also a fourth grade dual language teacher outside of New York City, which is super fun because I was also a dual language teacher in New York City before I became a fertility coach. Karen does not consider herself a writer by any trade, but she did write a book that's hilarious and about infertility, which she has been sharing with her followers for years. Karen is infertile and funny. This combination is equal parts unlikely and spectacular. More than anything, Karen hopes to help other women through their infertility treatments one laugh at a time. So welcome, Karen. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words and kind of like what you do as hilariously infertile and um, as a teacher? Yeah, so <laughs> um, I guess. Oh, that's a, that's a tough question, I guess, to answer. I So for Hilariously Infertile, I, I usually went through infertility um, and uh, I didn't have anyone or anything really to help me. I felt completely alone. And after going through it, I wrote this book. And at first I didn't know I was even writing a book. I didn't even know what I was writing. And as I wrote it, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is really funny. But it's like, super inappropriate and like super snarky. But to be honest, it's like, it's just the way that in my opinion, that real women speak to each other when we go out, you know, to when, when we used to be able to go to restaurants and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so that's what hilariously infertile is. And I realized, and at first I, you know, I tried to get it published and no publishers wanted it. They said there wasn't a big enough market. And I, that just, which is, yeah, really, it's, it's comical so funny. Because, I know it is comical because I was just like, that's not true. Like it's a huge market. And I was like, and if, and if you're turning this down, then that means that there are people out there suffering alone. And that I just couldn't have that. So, um, so yeah, so then I went forward and I started the social media and it's kind of blown up since then. But I guess to describe me, I would say that I'm just, you know, a fourth grade dual language teacher and um, and I and hilariously infertile is kind of my side gig. And uh, I'm just trying to help people get through their treatments. And if I can help someone laugh a little bit, if they're having a bad day, then then I feel like that's that's it. That's my goal. Yeah, that's so cool. Thank you so much for starting that and writing the book yeah. and doing it because there are so many women that need it. And I know I follow your account. I'm sure all of my followers do as well. And it does brighten our day for sure. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. So can you tell us like about your fertility journey and kind of where you started and where you are today? Yes. Okay. So I have PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I had no idea that I had PCOS before trying to get pregnant. Um, everyone's like, well, did you get your period in high school? And I'm like, yeah, but like, I wasn't really tracking it. You know, like 
I was an athlete and I was like super, always super skinny. And so I just like, I just got my period. I never, never really like paid attention to it, you know? And then I had been on birth control for like over a decade since then. And so my husband and I started trying and I remember we were having unprotected sex and I wasn't getting my period month after month. And I remember being like, when I was in seventh grade, like, you're taught you have unprotected sex and you don't get your period. Like you are pregnant. Like that's what you were taught, you know? And so I was yep. just like, but I kept getting these negative pregnancy test results. I was like, what is happening? And it would be like months that I wasn't getting my period for. So months that I thought that I was pregnant for the whole time. And, um, and so finally I went to my OBGYN and I was like, this is totally normal. Right. And she was like, no, like what's wrong with you? She's like, you're really not that smart. She's like, this is not normal. And I was like, oh, okay. But so, like no one teaches us this stuff in school. No. Like no one tells us like, oh, it should be like this or like, this isn't okay. So like, I feel that, you. Like, you can, yeah. Or that you can only really get pregnant on like a couple of days of your cycle. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I had no, I had no clue. So, um, so she started me on Clomid, nothing happened next round of Clomid, nothing happened. And I remember she, um, she told me that she thinks I have PCOS and she wanted me to talk to the fertility clinic down the street. So I started at the fertility clinic. We did one IUI with Clomid, nothing happened. And then my second IUI with Clomid that, um, gave me my daughter, Zoe, I got pregnant with my daughter, Zoe, who's now in third grade and doing distance learning like down the hall. So when Zoe turned around two years old, we started trying for our second. We knew we wanted, we hopefully wanted them around three years apart. Um, the doctors told me just come straight to the fertility clinic. They're like, you don't ovulate. There's no point on you trying on your own. It's completely asinine to be totally honest. Um, so we went straight back to the clinic and I did, it was actually five IUIs, but one of them, like I didn't even ovulate for. So it was like, so it was five rounds of Clomid and IUI, but only four like real IUIs mm-hmm. that actually could have even been successful. Yeah. So after I guess the fifth or fourth, however you want to count it round um, of IUIs, I decided and my husband supported me that I wanted to go forward with IVF. Mm-hmm. I just, I felt that if it would have happened, it would have happened already and that I wanted to, to go to the next level. And what's so funny is that like going through this, like I didn't Google anything. Like I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't do anything. I was just like, this is my gut feeling. And what's crazy is that since then people have told me, they've been like, well, the data actually backs that up. And I'm like, well, that's good to know. Like I have no (laughs) idea, you know, like I found out like a year or two ago, they're like, yeah, no, that was actually like, that's, that was the right call. And I was like, huh, okay. (laughs) That's for your sure. You're like, yeah, like I had no idea. So we went forward with IVF and I knew like nothing about IVF. I had had like, like a couple of coworkers who had gone through it, who kind of helped me through it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. that was pretty much it. Um, so we, because I have PCOS, I have like a lot of eggs. So we got 33 eggs retrieved and they turned into 17 day five blastocysts. Now, given my husband's genetic background and my genetic background, we were doing a fresh transfer. There was no reason for us to do, um, to test our embryos. Mm -hmm. So of the 17, they put like the best one in. And that was right before Christmas on 2014. Um, 2014, I think 2015, 2014, 9, 16, 15, 2014, (laughs) sorry, 2014. And, um, and I actually, I remember waking up on Christmas morning and I knew I was pregnant. 
Like I, like I just, I just knew. So, um, wow. and that was my, that's my second daughter, Abby, who is now in kindergarten and she was born nine months later. Both my girls were very long term pregnancies, like 41 weeks with both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Abby was born completely in the amniotic sac, which oh, is also wow. very, very rare. Yeah. yeah. But like, I didn't know, like I didn't Google, like, it's so weird. I joke around cause I'm like, you know, in 2014, like Google existed, like it was a thing, but I just like, didn't Google. Like, I don't know why. Like, I just like, I just didn't Google. I just trusted my doctors and I Googled like some things, but I was just like, okay, this is what I'm doing. So yeah. Well, I think that's like, it can be helpful in some ways. Cause I know I work with a lot of like type a, like high strong women who are like, Google says this and it's right. like, okay, like, let's take a break from Google. Cause it's like causing the anxiety. It's causing the stress. So I think there's definitely like a balance there as far as yeah, Google. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I went like the total other end. Cause I was like, I know that if I go down that rabbit hole, that like, it's gonna not end well for me. So I was just, like, I'm just not going to Google. So I just yeah. trusted my doctors and I happen to live, you know, outside of New York city where I've got, you know, great doctors and an incredible clinic and it that's, it happened to work out. That's wonderful. That's so exciting. Yeah. So kind of where did you start to the hilariously infertile account and like start writing your book in this journey and like what kind of inspired you kind of talked a little about, you wanted to help other people and give people laughs, but kind of what inspired you to like go all in on those things? Yeah. So it's so crazy. Um, so when my, my, I was on maternity leave with my second daughter and I was helping like a friend and a family member through their infertility because they were like, you're the only person we know who's gone through this at this point. And I remember my husband and I were like doing the dishes and I was like, well, she's ovulating. So it's go time for them. And her follicles are at 17 millimeters. So I told her she should probably plan for an IUI on Sunday. And my husband looked at me and he was like, I think you should write a book. And I was like, ha ha. Like literally I laughed in his face. And I got a glass of wine and went and sat on the couch. Like, I was just like, I don't have time to read books. Like, I'm not going to write a book. Like, are you kidding me? And I was like, like, I don't have enough going on right now. And he was like, I'm just saying, he's like, you're helping like our friends and family. I think that you could help other people. And I was just like, (laughs) whatever. And so I always say, I don't know how long after that, but I feel like it was like probably like a week later or so. I just opened up my laptop during nap time and I just started writing. And it just poured out of me. Like wow. it just, it took five weeks to write. And everyone always asked like, which came first? Was it the book or was it the social media? But it was actually the, I wrote the book first and mm-hmm. then I tried and I was like, this is good. This is, this is funny. This is like relatable for, for women, um, men and women, you know, and then, cause it is also a lot of like seventh grade boy humor. Like it's a lot of like, you know, like, it's going to not be. Yeah. It's all about reproductive stuff. So, so I, it's like everything, but, um, so then I started emailing publishers and literary agents in and around New York city. Cause I didn't know, like, I'm just a fourth grade teacher. Like I didn't, I didn't know that you had to basically be famous or know someone famous in order to get a book published. You know, mm-hmm. like I just didn't, I just didn't know. And like, it's so rare for just like a note, like a nobody, you know, to, yeah. to get their book published. So that's when they started writing me back and they're like, it's not a big enough market or this or that. And I was just like, you're wrong, (laughs) you know? And I remember I was on the phone with um, my husband's like best friend. And I was like, I just know that, that I can help people. And I know that there is not just a market for this because it's not really about the marketing for me. I was just like, I just know that there are people out there 
who were like me, who were just suffering and silent and didn't have anyone mm-hmm. to turn to, or they felt like they were completely alone. And I was like, and I can help them. And I was like, and I don't know what to do because people keep saying no. And he, and my friend was like, well, you need to get on social media. And I was like, ew, no, I hate <laughs> social media. And he, because I, at the time, I didn't even have a personal Facebook account. I still don't have a personal Facebook account. Like I was just so against it, just being a teacher. My students Googled me, my students' parents yeah. Googled me. Like I just wanted to keep my anonymity as much as I could. And and I was like, no, I hate social media. And he was like, if you want to help people, this is how you have to do. So this is what you have to do. So I um, tabled the book for a little bit and I started the social media and I had to like learn what a hashtag was. Like my step niece helped me a lot um, in the beginning with teaching me like what this, what it was and how to do it. And then it just kind of like grew and grew just naturally. And I remember in the beginning, I was like, I had like 300 followers and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm helping 300 people. Like that was huge to me. And it still is, you know, like I was like, I am just like one person just like living outside New York city. And I can't believe that. Like I actually am helping 300 people. And then it just like blew up, you know, and, uh, and people started talking about it. And once the social media got to a large enough place where I thought that, um, that I could release the book because Mm -hmm. I had like a website and I had some chapters on there. And most of everything I've done has been like follower driven. Like they've yeah. said, like, we need more chapters. I put more chapters or we need this. I put this or like, we need t-shirts. So I started like putting together like a Teespring t-shirt thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's honestly like most of it is all like me just listening to what my followers, not like tell me to do, but what they, what they, they would what like they to want. see happen. Yeah. So, yeah. so they were like, we need this book. And so I was like, okay, I think it's at the point now where I could publish and I could self-publish and I could probably make my money back, which is like kind of just what I wanted to do, you know, just so Mm -hmm. I didn't like spend this chunk of money on like a pipe dream and never got it back, you know? So, so that was the goal. And that was one of the goals. And the other goal was just to help people, you know? So, so we published the book and then things have just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just, it's just kind of crazy. So yeah, that's where we are now. That's so exciting. I feel like so many people have these dreams of like publishing books or like, you know, going big. And it's just like nice to hear other people's stories like, hey, like it happened organically and you made it happen and you did it. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely did. And it, and what I think is so interesting is that, you know, so many people, the, the annoying thing about social media is so many people focus on like the number, right? Like the number of followers or the number of likes. And it's such like a popularity contest in like the worst sort of way, you know? But I think that if you, as an, as an influencer or as the person who's running the account, if you just stay grounded in like, I just want to help people and I just want to help people through their day. And if I can do that, like I, I've always said, I was like, if I get somehow like do something and I get down to one follower and that one follower is my husband, that's fine. (laughs) You know, because like, I like, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I think the important thing is that is giving back to the to the community and helping people through their day and helping people see that they're not alone. Yeah, and I think that is so important because I know when I started my infertility journey as well, kind of like you, I was like, wait, this happens to people? Like yeah. this like what do you mean? No one cuz no one it's still very much taboo, which is, you know, a thing that I know you and I are both trying to change. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, you also mentioned that I heard that you perform stand-up comedy routines and you've done one in New York City and Boston. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those and how you, you know, who you do them for and what inspired you to tie comedy and infertility together? Yeah. So people always ask me, they're like, so are you like a, com- like a stand-up comic? And I'm like, no, like not at all. Like I have zero stand-up comedy experience. Like I never took a class. Like I'm like, no, I, I came from like a pretty dysfunctional family and I'm a school teacher. And that's the only thing that makes me like funny, you know, like just gotta those keep the kids things. entertained, you gotta keep the kids entertained, you know, whether it's in English or Spanish. So, um, so yeah, so the comedy thing kind of came about because um, the book is funny. You know, there are definitely some some sad moments about it that are relatable, but it is pretty funny. And um, I had been asked like very, very early on and hilariously and brutal, I was asked to go to this one fertility clinic, which happened, it happened to be my fertility clinic, but they didn't know that at the time um, and do like a motivational speech for their doctors and their staff. And mm-hmm. so basically I just walked them through my, my entire fertility story that like, I basically paraphrased the book almost, you yeah. know what I mean? But with like hand gestures and like, all my, and like adding things and like things here and there. So that's that hour long, like speech, if you will, has now become like this comedy routine. So basically, um, this was obviously pre COVID, um, I uh, did an, do an hour long stand up based stand up comedy that's completely infertile based. It just talks about how finding out that I was infertile all the and takes it through all of it until basically giving birth to to my daughter Abby. And it's funny mm-hmm. and it's inappropriate and um, men love it, women love it. So in New York, it was you know a lot of my followers. It was at a comedy club on the Upper West Side and. My whole goal is with these is I just want to kind of break even and pay who I need to pay to like have the event, you know, and then I donate a lot of the proceeds to not all of the proceeds, but a lot of the proceeds to charity. So um, that's huge. So I'm on the board of Baby Quest, which is a, a foundation in mm-hmm. the United States that helps people um, with giving financial grants for people who are struggling with infertility, um, just in the United States. So I donate to them. And then I also donate to resolve, um, depending like, or like a local or a local infertility nonprofit. I wanted to start, like I did it in Boston. That was just baby quest. I mean, I did it in New York. It was just baby quest. And then I took it to Boston and it was baby quest and like local, um, resolve new England. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to start taking it like across the country and, and doing that too, because I think, yeah. you know, like, I don't, I mean, I hate to be like, I don't need the money, but like, I have a job and I have a pension and I'm kind of like, there, like, there are these really incredible, you know, nonprofits out there that are trying to help people. So I should, I should, we should be helping people. So, um, yeah. so yeah, maybe after COVID that will come back. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, I hope so. Come but, on yeah. down to Florida. I will I show <laughs> But it's fun and I get to meet people and I, and I give away my book and t-shirts and things like that. And, um, and, uh, I, the most important thing for me is like meeting, um, like the, my, my, the, the community that has supported me the past, you know, five, almost five years. And, and that part's really important to me. So. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. Do you have any like advice for women who are struggling with infertility, going through infertility treatments and like really feeling like alone? Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, I hate to say like, go to my Instagram or, or read my book, but I, that would be, I think 
a good, if you, if you are on social media, that's definitely a good place to start. I know for me, like I didn't have social media, so I didn't have that community. And it really is a very supportive and loving um, community, if you will, of people who are struggling or have struggled with infertility who are on social media. So I would say, try to find your, whatever community you like on social media, if you can. Um, and my other piece of advice I always say is just like, set the bar low for yourself. Like, I know that sounds so like the opposite probably of what no, any- I love it. That's, it's totally true. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, okay, like maybe you're not going to blow dry your hair that much that month, or you're going to buy takeout some more, or your laundry that you washed and folded on Sunday is not actually going to be put away until Saturday. Like who cares? You know what I mean? Like set the bar low and just be pleasantly surprised because we don't go through infertility in a vacuum, right? Like you Mm -hmm. still have financial issues. You still have marital or spousal or partner issues. You still have work issues. You still have, you know, if you're, if it's secondary infertility, you still have other children, you have family, you have obligations, you have responsibilities, you have bills to pay. So it's, if all we had to do was like sit in our house and then go to the fertility clinic and then come home, that would be a lot still like still dealing with that. That would be a lot. But like, that's not how people deal with infertility. You still have to have your regular life and go on with everything else that that happens in your life. So I always say just like set the bar low, whether it's work or or personal and just like, just get done what you can find the little, you know, little like, oh, I got to do this today or I did this today or I feel good about getting that done or you know what, I haven't like, you know, clean the bathrooms in a, in a couple weeks and that's okay, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, I'm not meal prepping from scratch and that's okay. You know? So, so I think that just give yourself a little bit of, not a little bit, give yourself grace. Yeah. I uh, 100% agree with that sentiment. And that's a lot of things I work with, with my one-on-one clients is like, okay, let's slow down, like slow down and like prioritize and say, what do I, three things I want to get done today. And that's it. And one of them yeah. is going to the fertility clinic. So yeah. it's like, okay, you know, take some time, relax. And that really relieves stress and anxiety and inflammation. So exactly. Yeah, for sure. How can people follow you, support you and read your book, follow your journey? So, um, on Instagram, um, Facebook and Twitter, you can search hilariously infertile, but it's like at hilariously underscore infertile for most of them. Um, but if you search it, it will come up. So you can always find me there. I have a website called, uh, which is www.hilariouslyinfertile.com. Um, and you can find links to get the book. If you're international, there's a, more of an international link. That's better. If you are, mm-hmm. um, if you, or if you have Amazon it's also sold on Amazon. Um, so you can find book and merchandise and stuff there. And, and yeah, I just want people to, I think the most important thing is having people know that like, you can reach out to me. You can email me. You can message me. I'm more responsive on Instagram than I am on Facebook just because it's the way it is. Um, I just like it to be honest. I just like it better, (laughs) but, um, but I, but I like, I will write you back there. Everyone's like, okay, so talk to your team. And I'm like, no, like, it's just me. Like, it's just me, you know? So, cause it's really like, this is just what it is. It is what you see. And and that's it. So, you know, just to have people know that they're, that they're not alone, they could always reach out to me or any of the other, like there are a couple other, you know, large infertility, um, social media accounts out there and they're all, we're all very, very responsive. 
Yeah. And I think the community, I think you're right. Like the community on Instagram, especially the infertility community is amazing. I know once I started getting into that community, I was like, oh wait, I'm not alone. Like this is happening to so many women and it just took the pressure off. So yeah, I just started doing, oh, sorry. No, thank you for being part of that community and spearheading this. Thank you. I know. I just started doing this thing where it's like, tell me that you're struggling with infertility without telling me. And like, oh yeah, everyone started showing me like pictures of their stomach or pictures of their injections or pictures of this or like, you know, like their legs. And they, they took pictures of like their legs in the fertility clinic waiting room. And uh, the response to that, not just the people who were like submitting their pictures to me, but the response by other people who were like, oh my goodness, like seeing all of this just makes me feel like I'm normal. That's the first time I felt normal to going through this whole thing. And I'm like, you are normal. Like exactly. so many people are going through this. It's not like you're not alone, you know? And once you're on, you know, once you're through infertility, depending on however you ended your infertility journey, I hate that word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You'll start <laughs> seeing like on the other side, like I have, like, I joked about this and I've got like the best infertility radar. Like I can like sniff people out and be like, you went through infertility treatment. You went through, infer-. you know what I mean? And like, and then like, we have that in common and I'll be like, oh, well I'm a fourth grade teacher. And I always say it first, you know, like, so that I'm not like outing someone. So I'll be like, well, I'm a fourth grade teacher, but I also do this. And they're like, oh, I went through infertility. And I'm like, yes, I know. Because you I did it. Radar. Yeah. <laughs> so That's yeah, so so funny. it's important to, for people to know that they're not alone and it sucks, but you know, that you do have a community out there that can help you if there's no one that you know who's going through it, you know? Exactly. And I think that is just so important and takes off so much of the stress and anxiety and just knowing that like, yes, you are normal. I think that's like the biggest message is like, this is normal. Like this happens to so many women and that's okay. Like it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Like nothing has gone wrong. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I know for me, like when, when we were going, my husband and I were going through it, like it was my issue. It was like, I was the reason why I couldn't, why we couldn't get pregnant. And I never once felt, I mean, maybe I felt like once or twice that like something was wrong with me, but I never felt less of a woman. I never felt less sexual or anything less female. I mean, I always joke that like, I have more testosterone in me anyway. Like you, I'll show you, you'll see the pictures in a little bit. I'll post them on Instagram, but like I was just downstairs and I completely took apart my entire dryer, like completely took it apart, like oh, wow. all the pieces out and then put it back together. And I was like, okay, I've got three and a half minutes. I'm like getting the last screw. And I came up here, I'm like dusting off all the lens that came on. I was like, like this, like dusting everything off because like, you know, it doesn't make you any less of a person or less of anything. It's just, this is just something that you're going through. and there's a community to to back you. Exactly. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been so much fun to get to know you and talk to you and hear all about your story and all of the fun things that you have done to support the infertility community. Thank you so much for me and my followers. And um, I can't wait to maybe talk to you more. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you love this podcast and if you have liked what you have heard so far, I would love it if you could leave me a five-star rating and review. Reviews help others find this podcast and help them get the strategies that they need to thrive during infertility. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. If you want to take this work to a deeper level, then I have the perfect coaching program for you. 
go to www.simplyjewel.com forward slash empowered infertility to learn more about my signature one-on-one coaching program. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fertility Life Coach Podcast. See you next time.